Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Amen. All right, grab your notes. We are in week three of a series. We're calling the series On the Journey. And uh, we are learning how to walk with the Lord in all of life. And uh, we have been studying this and, and we're taking the season of Lent and we are walking through in the season of Lent uh, this idea of what it is like to be on the journey. And here's what we're doing. We're taking one story in the Bible and we're using it the entire season of Lent. And so we're learning together around that. And I'm excited about this. Uh, for those of you that don't know, or you're beginning to take some notes or whatever, you want to learn and impress your friends later. So this is one of the 10 post-resurrection stories of the life of Jesus. If you go through all of the gospels, say them with me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you read all four of those, you will find these post-resurrection encounters where Jesus shows up on the other side of the resurrection. He has these encounters with people. Sometimes he's on a beach. Sometimes it, it was near the resurrection site. Sometimes it's in a room later. Uh, there's all these different encounters. And one of these encounters is the two on the Emmaus Road. And it's the most descriptive encounter. It's the, it's the long Longest encounter. And so we want to commend that story to you. So we're looking at this story uh, as a way to, to, to learn uh, about Jesus and how to walk with him through this season. Uh, we've been learning things like this, that Jesus shows up uh, in the small and the slow and the ordinary. And sometimes we, we think about God and he does show up in the big, he does show up uh, in the fast and all of that and in all of these extraordinary ways, but most normally he shows up in just the normal over uh, everyday life and we're learning uh, in that. There's a great quote that we, we think is sort of an anchor quote for the series, comes from Christian writer Richard Foster who says this, it is the discovery of God that lies in the daily and the ordinary, not in the spectacular, not in the heroic. Uh, and if we cannot find God in the routines of home and shop, then we will not find God at all. And so this is, this is the God we're worshiping. This is the God we're aiming at. You can find him in the ordinary. Now, if you were with us last week, we looked at how God, uh, through the, the life of Jesus, uh, brings uh, purpose in our pain. And uh, we looked at this, uh, there's this challenging little verse, interesting little verse in the story we focused on, where it says, as the two were walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus, whom they didn't know yet, showed up and began to walk with them, they had this conversation, and the Bible says they were downcast. Say that word with me, downcast. So they were discouraged. How many of you all have ever been discouraged? Thank the Lord, right? I mean, we're, we're, I can identify with you. And so, um, you know, Jesus shows up in their discouragement. And what we learn is that um, Jesus, we learn that Jesus was already present. Uh, he was already there. And, and uh, we learn through these two that are on the road that, that Jesus could handle 
their discouragement. You know, Christianity, sometimes church, can I just say it, is a great place to come in and fake. Come on. Come on. I'm going to wait till I get an amen. All right, great. Thank you very much. I'm like, help me out, all right? And, uh, and what, what we're saying at Community of Hope is don't do that. Uh, just come in, be, be who you are, and the power of God through the power of his Holy Spirit will show up where you are, and he, he will do something amazing in your life. And so uh, we learned last week that God brings uh, purpose uh, to our pain as we lean into that sort of thing. And so uh, this morning what I want to do we're going to take. Uh, we're going to look at this story again. We're going to keep twisting this story into a different space. And this morning, what we're going to do this weekend on all of our campuses is we're going to see how God shows up not only in our discouragement, but God, how God shows up and helps us when we doubt. And so we're going to read a portion of the story, and it's in, uh, of course, Luke twenty-four. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Everybody, hobble to your feet. There we go. And we are in Luke 24, and I want to read uh, right in the middle of it, verses 19 down through 27. So we have learned so far that these guys are on this walk to Emmaus, and uh, he just asked them what they were talking about, and and they kind of said in sort of a almost a a gutsy way, they said, hey, are you the only one that doesn't know what's happened in uh, in Jerusalem? Uh, About all the things that took place, and then Jesus says, and this we're going to pick it up, the story says, what things? So beginning at verse 19 here, it says, what things, he asked. Well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place, and... They're like saying, and if that's not enough, right, in addition, some of our women amazed us, and they they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body, and they came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive, and then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus, and he said to them, he said, well, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And so then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Okay? So the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. You know, Lord, uh, come right now and uh, create space by the power of your spirit in this room and for all of our family that's listening online, podcasting later. And uh, help us, Lord, to learn and to see you, even sometimes where we struggle with belief. Come and help us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, amen. So if we were to take the words that we just read, let's, let's just take that, you know, here's the story. So let's take this portion of the story that we read this morning. And if we were to put like stamp a moniker on it, put something on top of 
what we see there. I think if I passed a microphone around the room, we might say different things, but I think it would all sort of line up around one idea, and, and it's this. When I read it, I see confusion. Anybody else see that? Like they're confused about uh, what they're hearing. Uh, they're confused how that might not be connecting with their own experience. Uh, they're confused about maybe what they believed, and now something is showing up that's challenging some things that they have believed. Maybe they shouldn't believe those things, or maybe they should believe more. Uh, there's all this conversation that's sort of bubbling up in their town. It's so uh, mesmerizing in a way. It's so uh, involved and so complex and conflicted and uh, you know controversial that there, there's just a lot of confusion about it. And we see it embodied in the text. Uh, things like this, you know, first of all, are, are you the only one? Are you you the only one that doesn't know what's going on? I mean, there's all this stuff going on. How have you missed it? How can you miss it? There's that. Uh, then there then there's the phrase, um, you know, uh, he was powerful in word and deed and mighty and all this deal. And then they crucified him. There was that. Uh, there was this phrase. Uh, but we had hoped. Anybody ever hope for anything and the, the expectation is sort of unmet? What, what actually happens is different from your hope? Come on. Uh, uh, here's, here's, a, here's the big one, right? Uh, we thought he was going to come and redeem Israel. Which in my mind, when I translated it, sounds like this. We thought he was going to make Israel great again. Come on, come on. I, I love when you guys nervous laugh. I say it and I can see it. <laughs> right? And just because I'm an equal opportunity offender, they, they thought he was going to build back better. Right? <laughs> Come on, I got both y'all, I got both you, okay? They're confused. We get confused. The, the question really, I think for a lot of us around a topic like this, what do you do in your faith when you're confused? When there's a tension? When there's a thing? I, I don't want to miss this point because it's right in front of me and I think it'd be sort of pastoral malpractice not to mention it. But I love this in, in Luke chapter 24 verse, I think it's 20. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. Say this with me. And they crucified him. Say it again. And they crucified him. Now we all know in the season of Lent, I, I say it every year, our pastors say it every year, we, you can't have a resurrection until there's a death. But I want to remind everybody at least this space, in this space. The gospel of Jesus is not just a gospel about the resurrection. It's a gospel about a death and a resurrection. And uh, let, me, let me just say something that, you know, and, and when I say this, this doesn't fill up the room, 
This doesn't make us all knock the doors down to get in here and hashtag how we're all living our best life now. Because um, the call of Jesus to every disciple is a call to come and die. (laughs) It's a call to give your life away. Um, Look at this verse in Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's not super popular. But it is the gospel. And I think the essence of what we're talking about and what I want to unpack for us this morning in so many ways points toward this tension. What do we do when we struggle? And uh, I've been challenged by different ideas throughout the years around this subject of doubt, and because we're a church that just tries to embrace this general idea that, you know, if people come in to a space like this and they're allowed to bring their questions, they're allowed to bring their struggles, God in his kindness reveals himself in ways like that. And one of the cool things for me, you guys come on a weekend or you watch from online, you're watching me. Here's what's cool. I get to watch you. And I'll watch people come in and you can, sometimes I see shame. I don't know if I should come in here. These are religious people. Sometimes I see um, question. Uh, There's some confusion. And, and And if people just come in and they just sort of stick with it, just stick with it, just stick with it, I just see God in his kindness just start showing up to people in ways that, and they begin to move closer in faith. It's the most beautiful thing. To be honest with y'all, I've like given my life to that, like that thing. Some of the other stuff with the ministry, eh, not so much, but <laughs> that I want to be a part I want to be a part of. But I want to remind people uh, around the subject of doubt, there are four things that I always think of when I think of this, and if you watch them in a trajectory, this is how God has done some incredible things in my life and in the lives of many people that you guys would hold up to in a way and go, they're a person who has some faith, and maybe I'm striving to have some faith too. The first thing I, I, I think is just simply this. Doubt is part of what it means to be human. Uh, I, I think sometimes what I want to do in, in this subject of doubt or faith or belief or this sort of thing is slow the RPMs down in a way and remind everybody that, um, that these things are far more intertwined than they are not intertwined. Uh, these guys are, or these people are walking on this road and there's a lot of doubt, there's a lot of confusion. And I think at its very basic level, what I want you to see is Jesus in his kindness. Look at this. He's drawn to that. He's not repelled by it. Notice, he's drawn to it. He shows up along the way. And it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
when we think about this, you know, some of the things that I think of along, along these lines when I think about doubt is this uh, idea, generally speaking, uh, that um, all, all of life works best with certainty. But that's a lie. And um, there are a lot of things in life for which we can't ever be certain. Think about this. When you launch into a career, there's no absolute certain guarantee you're going to like it. Uh, when, you, um, when you go to a school, our, our students now, like our college students, graduate high school, and many of them either go to trade school or, or maybe they go to university, no guarantee, no, no rock-solid guarantee that's going to work out great. Right, I was reading recently, not too long ago, that for, for college students, uh, the, this Gen Z, right, that goes to, goes to school, goes to college, that on average, they change their degree five times. I let parents in the room right now and praise God, it's going to be all okay. It's going to be all right. Yeah, okay. There's no absolute guarantee when you get married that your spouse isn't a raving lunatic, Come on. Some, some of you guys are going, ah. <laughs> right? But here's the thing I've learned. Um, what's required sometimes is we step into it. If you wait for absolute certainty, I'm convinced of this. You're never going to have a job. You're never going to go to school. You're never going to get married. And here's the big one. You're never going to follow God. And this is why Paul said, uh, and the, the greatest of these, he says, is love. But here's what remains. Faith. Say it with me. Hope. Love. So what's required on this side of eternity? Faith. What's required on the other side of eternity? Certainty. We'll have it. Here's another thing I think. Say, let me say it real quick. Number two, everyone lives by faith. We all live by faith. Even the irreligious live by faith. We have to step into this is what is required. This is part of, in so many ways, what it means uh, to be human. Sometimes when it comes to faith and doubt, we draw too hard a line between these two ideas And the tension between faith and doubt is way more intertwined than we tend to believe. Sometimes people will say, well, I wish I had more faith in so-and-so. As if there's a line somewhere where, where if you cross that line, you just get above that deal, you have faith. Anything below that line, you don't have faith. Now, this is sometimes what we say. Here's what I want to tell you if that's not you. Sometimes that's a conversation in the local church And our brothers and sisters who struggle somehow feel disqualified. I love there's a verse of scripture in the book of Jude. It's only one chapter. And in Jude verse 22, look at what it says. Be merciful to those who doubt. Thank the Lord. Here's what I want to say. If you doubt, This is God's posture toward you right now. He's merciful. We see it in the Bible story. He comes alongside of them. 
There's another verse of scripture that I like. It's in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. We'll put it on the screen. It says here, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Hey, what's the line of faith, Pastor Dale? You know what's actually required? Faith is a mustard seed. You ever seen a mustard seed? So if you're here this morning and, and you just have that, you have a God in his kindness who says, that's enough. Let's get started. Right. Here's the big one. I remind people when we're talking about doubt, this is a big one. So doubt handled correctly can and I believe will lead to greater faith. Can I tell you as a pastor, uh, having done this now for a while, um, what, what the most common responses I see with respect to doubt? Maybe you would figure this out, but I, I will tell you what I see. I see, a, I see different ones. The two common ones I see are this. Most people, when it comes to doubt in their faith, number one, here's number one, they ignore it. That doesn't work. That never works. That's kind of like the blinking light on your car. That's God, by the way, that's doing that. (laughs) When you ignore that, it never kind of, I don't know about you, it never works out good for me when I ignore it, right? Here's the other one, though, that I find is very compelling. First of all, I would say in my own personal experience as a pastor, people, when they have doubt, they ignore it. The second thing they do is they, um, they use it as an excuse. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, they, they feign doubt because if they were to remove doubt and work on it and discover that God is real, here's the, here's the challenge. There would be implications for how you live your life because he's real. And I would have to change some things about how I live. I would have to welcome some things into my vocabulary. There would be some actions I would need to pick up on. There might be another set of actions I should step back from. And sometimes um, when I've known somebody long enough in our church or community and I sense that going on, Maybe it's when I have too much coffee. Sometimes as a pastor, I will tell them, hey, guess what? What? I doubt your doubt. And you know what they do? (laughs) Most of us uh, in our lives, we uh, have... And we experience what I refer to as public conviction. These are the things we say we believe because everybody's saying they believe them. You ever, you ever watch pot- politicians and they'll go, let me be clear. Are they ever clear when they say that? No. They get through and I, I go, oh, that, that solves everything. You've just solved it all. I'll move on. But... There's public convictions. No, no, hold on. I'm still, I'm still here. Wait on me. 
um, public convictions, it, we, it's popular to say it. We'll do that in the church. Uh, sometimes we'll say, let's stand and have an affirmation of our faith. Now, not everybody, not every, you know, not everybody, of course, doesn't believe that. I'm not being cynical. But there are people sometimes that feel forced to say things they don't yet believe. One of the things I love about our church is we say, don't do that. Even when you're singing, sometimes we, we're singing aspirationally. If you're singing stuff on a Sunday morning that you don't believe, just tell the Lord that. Lord, I might want to believe this. I don't yet fully believe this. Sometimes on a bad week, right, we'll go, I used to believe it. I'm not sure I believe that right now. That's okay. Be honest. There are public convictions. Uh, Then I think, watch this, there are private convictions. These are the things we actually think we believe. Okay? I told the service at 9 o'clock, I said there was a moment when I was working on my message, I thought about a time when our girls were very little. And we had put them to bed, we'd done the routine, and we had gone to bed ourselves. And in the middle of the night, we heard this commotion. And uh, we were both, Beth and I were sound asleep. And we heard this commotion, and our Shelly, our, our youngest, she was only like, she was just this little baby. And she, she hit the door. She was trying to get into our bedroom, and we had the door shut. And she hit the door, and when she opened the door, she kind of frightened herself. She got to the carpet line, and it's almost like she leapt and landed on the bed and just woke us up out of a sound sleep. It scared us both to death. And, and I, I kind of came to and I leaned over to my wife and I said, what's, what's going on? And my wife goes, somebody's in the house. <laughs> and I kid you not, this is not a great moment. Don't leave our church. I leaned over to my wife and I said, go see who it is. <laughs> Let me know if you need me to be your defender. We, she didn't speak to me for like three days after that happened. You know, she goes, like, I thought you were brave. Anyhow, watch this, though. There are our core convictions. And our core convictions are literally, actually, what we believe. And here's that neuro biologists tell us our core convictions we can tell them because we build actions around them that corroborate our belief let me tell let me point out something super dangerous about church super dangerous you can come in here and say you believe all kinds of crud that you actually don't believe. But what I want to tell you that everyone is looking for in this room and online, you're you're looking for a belief that matters. We're all looking for a belief that matters. And how we get to a belief that matters is we start putting our actions with our core convictions. And let me just say, how do you know that, Pastor Dale? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was this incredibly, if I could just say it this way, congruent person. What he said and what he believed is 100% what he did. God bless you, Trevor. Every time. And this is what he wants of you. 
You know, my prayer in the season of Lent is that you would use this time as a time to explore how your belief and your faith may grow more out of your core convictions. This is when I think your faith and your life become intertwined in a way that's super powerful. Now, are you saying that, Pastor Dale? That means I'll I'll never struggle with doubt again? Did I say that? No. Why? Because doubt is part of what it means to be human. I was visiting with a friend this week. I'll close with this. It's going to go right here. Um, Who said to me that, um, she said, when my mom called me one day and told me that she had received a bad diagnosis, a very bad diagnosis. She said, um, after the initial shock of that wore off, she said, I found a quiet space. I took out my journal. And I I began to write these statements down in my journal, uh, what I had come to believe about God. Core convictions. And I told her, I said, I, I resonate with that. I said, um, in our church, I said, when my, my dad passed away in 2008, that was in June, in August, I had scheduled to take a group from our church on a mission experience. And I was hurting so bad. And uh, on the invitation of a friend, I took uh, N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Hope, with me. And I went to, I think we were in Belize or Costa Rica, I believe it was Costa Rica, and I would get up early, way before the team got up. I wasn't sleeping great anyway in that season. And and I would go down uh, to this little place there where we were staying, and I would pour a cup of coffee, and I just read that book. And I remember making a statement to God one time when I was there, Lord, um, I've been preaching funerals all my adult life but I've never preached my dad's funeral. And I'm learning how to come to a deeper belief in my own faith. All of us need to go through a moment almost like a crisis of belief where we're shedding immature faith and it's growing into something more beautiful. That's almost required of all of us. And I would just tell you if you're in that space, God can handle that. He's not intimidated by that at all. And he's merciful when you doubt. You know, Lord, as the band is going to come and they're going to sing a song that closes us out. Uh in this tender space, I just lift up all my friends here and online where we have these scenarios, God, where we struggle. And I think what I want to say over all of us is thank you for your kindness and your goodness. Be gentle with us. Be long-suffering with us. 
break through the storm clouds and offer hope even where we struggle. In Jesus' name. So now to him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. To him be glory and power and dominion and authority over all things. Uh, Lord, we give our lives to you. We are mindful that the scriptures say it this way, we face a road and there's life and death and we choose life. So help us. Give us faith. Be gentle when we doubt. Help us to find, God, the congruence between our faith and our core, core convictions. If there was maybe ever a time when the world needs to see that, it is now. So we ask for it in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, who is our Lord. And everyone said, amen. Go in his mercy. We'll see you next weekend.